grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our text today is going to be taken from the reading we heard in the Gospel of John. You may be seated. Let me begin with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, this is a day when we are gathered in your presence and we rejoice in the many gifts that you have given to us. On this Mother's Day, we give you thanks for our moms and the blessing that they are in our lives, Lord, how you have worked through them to give us so many good gifts. And we thank you, Lord, that through your Son, Jesus, you give us incredible gifts as well, especially the gift of the Holy Spirit. And today, as we learn more about what it means to receive this gift, we pray uh, that you would grant us the Spirit so that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. In Jesus' name, amen. Today, the Lord Jesus looks right at you, and he says these words. If you love me... You will keep my commandments. Now I know exactly what you did when you heard Jesus say those words to you today. You took your eyes off of Jesus and you looked right at me and you said, all right, preacher, get us out from this one. This is too much for us. Jesus is getting out of control again. He's he's making things much too hard. And quite frankly, preacher... (laughs) He's sounding a little manipulative here today with these if-then kind of statements based around his love. This is too much for us. We need to be free from such a burden. So, Pastor, save us today from Jesus. I don't think that's a good plan to save you from Jesus. Now, I know, of course, I'd love to stand up here, I'm sure, and make that wonderful Lutheran move where you hear this and I say something like, listen, Jesus expects you to love him, but you're a sinner and you can't do it anyways. But don't worry, Jesus loves you anyways. Let's go home and not worry about anything. And wouldn't that be nice to give you a Jesus today that you don't have to worry about? A Jesus who doesn't worry too much about you, who leaves you alone and expects nothing from those that he loves. Boy, I'm sure that would be just a fine Jesus. Not the real Jesus, of course, not one who means what he says and does what he wants, but a safe Jesus, a safe Jesus that we wouldn't have to worry about. But alas, I can't give you a safe Jesus. In fact, I'm on orders today from the Lord himself, and I am here never to free you from the, uh, from the words of Jesus. But actually, quite the opposite. My job here today is to free you with the words of Jesus, ironically enough, by binding them to you and binding you to them, to take your eyes and fix them squarely on this Jesus, who says to you today in no uncertain terms, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Now part of our problem, I think, with Jesus' words today Uh, comes from the fact that we don't hear them the right way. The problem isn't in the words, it's in how we hear them. Because you and I have been trained to be very skeptical about if-then statements that demand love from us. Every high schooler should know that if you are dating somebody who comes to you with the phrase, if you love me then, you should run the other direction. Every child here knows who has parents what it sounds like to say, if you love me then, you will do the dishes. And let's be frank, everyone, it's Mother's Day. And everybody here knows what it's like to hear those words. If you really loved your mom and me, you would go to the store and buy her flowers so I don't have to get off the couch and stop watching the game. We all know what that sounds like. 
And is that what Jesus is doing today? Giving us a rather unhealthy portrayal of love and unhealthy expectation? Is Jesus trying to manipulate us and coerce us into doing what he wants by demanding us to prove our love to him? No. No, that's not what Jesus is doing at all today. No, I think Jesus is speaking quite differently to us. I think Jesus is doing nothing more here today than simply telling you the truth. In fact, I think we need to take a step back and listen to these words a little bit differently. Not so much as merely a command, but also I want you to notice the promise in here. If you love him, you're going to keep his commandments. If you love me, you will, in fact, keep my commandments. Let me give you an example of where I think we see something like this take place in the Scripture, specifically with Jesus' ministry. Uh, there's the day in which Jesus is talking with Peter, and he uses very similar language about Peter's love for him. You will remember that just before Jesus was crucified, Peter denied Jesus three times. It was a shameful moment where to save his own hide, he denied Jesus so that he wouldn't have to suffer with Jesus, and Jesus was led away and crucified, and Peter was ashamed of himself. Well, after Jesus died and then rose again from the grave, one morning he met with his disciples on a beach, and he had breakfast with them because that's what resurrected people do. They have breakfast on the beach. It's a wonderful thing. And as Jesus is there, he takes Peter for a little walk, and he gets Peter alone, and he says to Peter this, he asks him this question three times. Peter, do you love me? And Peter responds three times, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Yes, Lord, of course I love you. Yes, Lord, why do you keep asking me this question? And after each time Jesus, uh, after each time Peter responds, Jesus says, okay, then feed my sheep or tend to my lambs. If you love me, Peter, then you will feed my sheep. You will tend to my lambs. You will watch over the flock that is my people. And what does Peter do? Does he look at Jesus and say, oh, Jesus, no, I'm, I'm too much of a sinner to do that. I, I wouldn't do that the right way anyways. Besides, I'm saved by your grace, so just leave me alone. No! What does Peter do? He goes out and risks life and limb to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. He goes forth sharing the gospel of Christ with the world, writing letters for us in the New Testament so that we might know today, even here 2,000 years later, what it is Jesus Christ has done to save us. Peter loved Jesus and therefore did exactly what Jesus commanded him to do because he loved the Lord. But you need to notice something here. This love that Peter has for the Lord doesn't just pop up out of thin air. It's not something sort of Peter willed into existence. But rather what we see take place here is something that you read about in the letter of 1 John. That Peter loves because Christ first loved him. We love because he first loved us, St. John. See that when Peter didn't love Jesus, when Peter was denying Jesus, when Peter left Jesus to die and then ran away and hid in shame, Christ Jesus got up out of the grave and sought Peter out, confronted him to be sure in his sin, but then forgave Peter, restored Peter, loved Peter. Gave Peter, on top of all this, gave Peter a gift. The gift of the Holy Spirit. 
We actually see Jesus do this with all the apostles that evening after the resurrection. Remember that? They're all gathered together in the upper room and they're, and they're frightened and they're worried and they don't know what to do with all these news about, about the tomb being empty and all of this. And as they're sort of discussing these things, Jesus appears to them in the upper room. And what does he do to them there? Does he rebuke them and mock them and say, I told you so and you didn't listen and leave? No. First words out of his mouth. Peace be with you which is the equivalent of Jesus saying, I forgive you for all of it. I forgive you all of your sins. Peace be with you. And then he gives them the gift. He breathes on them the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus didn't abandon them in their sin. He didn't leave them to wander and figure out life on their own until they could find a way within themselves to finally love him. No, he sought them. He found them. He rescued them. He brought them home and gave them the gift of God the Holy Spirit who would dwell, dwell, as he says today, in them and among them, so that the Spirit might work through them to share the love of Christ with the world. The Spirit might work in them and through them to love God and keep his commandments. See, this is not only what Jesus has done for the disciples, but you need to know today, in no uncertain terms, this is exactly what Jesus Christ has done for you. As we hear in the book of Romans, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He sought you. He found you. He baptized you. He wrapped his blanket around you. I really like that children's message today. Again, Rachel, she's all right with those. Uh, it's very good. Uh, he wraps you in his love, and he is with you always. And he gives you then the gift of the Holy Spirit. I love the language Jesus uses today to help us understand this. He uses a beautiful concept. He reminds us that we are no longer sort of orphans wandering around trying to figure things out on our own, but we have been called to be children of God. And the children are going to live differently than the orphans because we have been placed in a new home and we have been given remarkable gifts, namely the Holy Spirit. Listen to what Jesus says today. I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. And Jesus then says, I will not leave you as orphans, but I will come to you. Jesus is saying, listen, I saved you by my grace alone. I sustain you in this relationship into everlasting life by my grace alone, and I do it by giving you the Holy Spirit. You need to understand you are being treated now as children in a home. We heard him talk this way if you were here last week, and if you weren't, go back and read the beginning of John 14, because Jesus says, listen, I go to prepare a place for you with my Father forever. Through the shedding of his blood on a cross, he has prepared a home for you in the presence of your Father, taking you sort of out of that nasty old orphanage and bringing you into the home of the Father where you have a home filled with love and mercy and grace for all of eternity. To be sure, you look at the orphan and you sort of think of this contrast. The orphan, you might think, lives in a place where they are in charge. They are in control. And in our day and age, uh, the orphan sort of is the ideal because they have nobody telling them what to do. 
They have nobody who has to watch over them. They're in charge of themselves. They make their own decisions. They make their own rules. They make their own laws. And it's all very self-serving freedom. And it sounds very attractive. I'm sure until you talk to an orphan who would trade that any day for a mother and a father. It's lonely and loveless. No one to love you and no one to love. And that's not, that's not freedom. That's survival. But Christ, Jesus, has come and saved you from survival and given you the opposite, life everlasting. You are not an orphan, but a beloved child of God. Whom he, he said this to you in your baptism. He signed the adoption papers with his own shed blood. St. Paul picks up on this idea as well in Romans chapter 8 when he says, you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. You don't live in that orphanage anymore. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him, in order that we may also be glorified. You're going to do what Jesus commands, because as an adopted child, you're going to find yourself growing in love for him. You now live in a home that is defined by a father who relentlessly loves you, who endlessly forgives you, who, who is without bounds in his mercy for you. And you, what you find is that that sort of thing starts to rub off on you. You start to share that love with others around you. I know we live in a world that tells you you need to be your own person. You need to live for yourself. You need to survive at all costs. But these are sort of self-serving lies that crush us with their demands. You are not your own, we read in the scriptures. You were bought with the price. You are a beloved, adopted child of the Almighty God who loves you relentlessly. And you say, yes, but what about my sin? I mean, you, I, you tell me that I, I will do what God commands, but I have all this sin I still struggle with. I have all these burdens that I can't seem to unload. I'm still going through all of this. Listen, you live in a house now where the first thing that... The, that God says to you always, every day, is peace be with you. And then he gives you the Holy Spirit who is waging war against your flesh to put down the sinful tendencies and to give you new life every single day. It is his work, it is his gifts, it is his salvation and his constant mercy for you. It's going to get you to the point that you find yourself actually doing what he commands and enjoying and loving it. And not even sometimes realizing that you're doing it. You're going to find out that you actually do love this. So Jesus says, in that day you will know that I am in my Father, and you in me, and I in you. Whoever has my commandments keeps them. He it is who loves me. Uh, excuse me. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. This God who is love, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit brings us into a loving relationship with him, and we will find that we cannot help but produce fruit. Good works will flow forth. Obedience will follow from this love that we have received and this love that we now have. You see, for the child of God, there is no greater joy than to receive the gifts of love from God. And then it's just this incredibly huge added bonus 
that we're told you get to participate. You get to share too. You get to show that love to others. You get to proclaim his mercy so others might join you in this incredible relationship. You get to sacrifice for the sake of others so that they know that they are loved just as you are loved by God. I mean, it's going to get to the point that before God even says to you, do this, you will realize it's already being done. So no, I will not free you today from these words of Jesus. I will not be responsible for leading you back to the orphanage. Instead, I will simply remind you of who you are today. You are forgiven. You are the beloved, blood-bought children of God. You have been adopted by the Heavenly Father who loves you with an everlasting love. And if you love him, and you do love him, you will do what he commands. Trust me, it's a promise. Amen. We pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks that you have called us out of darkness and into your marvelous light. We thank you that through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, our sins are forgiven and you have adopted us into your family. And Lord, we thank you that you have gifted us with the Holy Spirit so that we might know what it means to live as your children. Keep us ever mindful of your commands and ever faithful to your promises, just as, Lord, we know you will always be faithful to your promises to us. In Jesus' name, amen.